When people in the Midlands want to talk, they talk to Will Faulkner. Hello and good morning. It is the eve of Christmas Eve, the season of goodwill, when we're all just a little bit nicer and hopefully a little bit happier and we shut out the world just a little bit more. Unless, of course, you write the headlines in the morning papers. Heavens above. I'll tell you what they're saying in just a moment. But here's what you can look forward to this morning. Proof that the true spirit of Christmas is alive and well here in the Midlands. How a firefighter injured in the line of duty is back home with family in Athlone and ready for Santa. And how one man had an incredible escape from a burning bus. Now, when you call 0818 300 103 is my number, you can text or WhatsApp 083 30 10 103. Especially remember that number because we've lots of prizes for you to win as the programme goes on. I'll tell you more very, very soon. So, what is on the front page? You know, I'm just going to very quickly skim through them. Uh, government plans for key workers to be exempt from self-isolating. That's the story on the Irish Times about how some public services, some critical infrastructure, power, for instance, um, utilities, key public services, workers in those sectors will be exempt from the self-isolation rules in much the same way that doctors and nurses and vital health staff are. The Irish Independent cheerfully tells you how 136,000 people will be isolating at home for Christmas and up to 50,000 will be confined to their bedrooms. And the Irish Daily Star says, My never-ending nightmare. Ian Bailey gives an interview on the, what is it now, the 25th year since Sophie Tuscan de Plantier was murdered. Slain Sophie's uncle says, fight for justice goes on. And you see him there holding a picture of her on the front of the paper. Well, actually, to be fair, if you wanted some cheery news, let's turn over to the local newspapers. They're far, far better. Just for example, you look at the front of the Leinster Express and there, front and centre, fantastic picture of the big leash truck and tractor convoy for the Kushla Centre. And the trucks are bedecked with all sorts of tinsel and lights, LEDs, Santa Claus. They just look fantastic and it'll put a smile on your face. And you see Michael O'Gorman, Tegan Dunn and uh, Kira Dempsey with Santa. And they're in Mount Millick at the time. So, well done. I think actually that was Mount Millick Mokra, so salute guys. And then over to the Westmeath Examiner, for instance. Front page, the Rochford Superstore team celebrating after their shop sold the winning Lotto Match 5 Plus bonus ticket, which was worth a million quid in Saturday's draw. Avril Kelly, Sheila Nally, Tom Nally Sr. and Tomas Nally all looking incredibly happy there. And that's what you want two days before Christmas. Smiling faces and some good news stories. So, to be fair, if you dig within the morning papers, there are some stories that will make you a little bit more optimistic for the future. For instance, new research from the UK tells us you are 40% less likely, yes, less likely, to be hospitalised for a night or more with the Omicron variant compared to the Delta variant of COVID-19. So, it is less severe, all of the early research suggests. Now, it is more infectious as well. That's a challenge, absolutely, if more people get it. But you will be less likely to end up in hospital if you do. That doesn't mean, of course, you won't have to isolate. Shuan Lennon from County Leash, uh, whom you'll hear from in a few minutes' time, She is holed up at home dealing with the guilt and it is quite a horrendous feeling to know that you have COVID-19 but that you may have passed it on to others and all the anxiety of waiting for, uh, for instance, family to get their PCR results. 
are they negative and if they're positive oh that opens up a whole can of worms and the mind races and you think ahead and you lead into all sorts of dark places so yes it's best avoided safe to be uh, or, or to put it mildly anyway moving on Tributes in many of the papers and indeed on the journal.ie today to Eddie Wallace. Eddie was manager of Athlone Town for a period about eight years ago now and he had also worked with Bray Wanderers, Cabin Teeley, UCD, uh, St. Patrick's Athletic, uh, the list goes on. He was a very, very accomplished man in the soccer world. But Athlone Town have led tributes to him saying everybody in the club would like to uh, pay their respects to the late Eddie Wallace, who, as well as being a former manager of the men's senior team, was very much a gentleman of the game. And they're all saddened with the news, as indeed we are here at Midlands 103. He was uh, very facilitating and always very easy to deal with. And uh, what have we got? One more story for you, OK? A new poll, a new piece of research suggests that you prefer the Christmas leftover sandwich to the actual dinner itself. Not by a slim margin, three quarters of us prefer a turkey sandwich to the main event. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think it depends whether you are the person preparing the meal or the person enjoying the meal. Because if you have to slave in the kitchen... And if you don't have help around you and you don't have the support and everybody else is putting their feet up and trying on their slippers and playing with their presents, that isn't as much fun. Whereas at least the next day, preparing the sandwich is far more straightforward. So I think it depends which side of the table you're sitting, or am I wrong? By the way, speaking of things to look forward to over the next few days, in addition to the New Year's special with Niall, also... Relive the show band years because Pat Rock will be presenting not one, not two, but three very special trips down memory lane over the course of Christmas. And tomorrow evening, Christmas Eve, a real treat with the Richard Mansworth Stage School in County Leash. And the students from the Minis and the Mezzos and the Masters groups will be treating you to some all-time festive favourites a Scrooge radio play and lots of fun frolics as well. That's from 8 o'clock tomorrow evening, Christmas Eve. Can you believe it's here already? And the full festive schedule is available on midlands103.com. And now for some proof that the spirit of Christmas and the meaning of the season is well and truly alive here in the Midlands. And experiencing that firsthand is Paula Nocton, who you'll know from the Join Our Boys campaign in Roscommon. Paula, good morning. Good morning, Will. Merry Christmas to you and your listeners. And to you as well. Tell us what's been happening over the last couple of weeks. Well, I think you've just summed it up perfectly there that um, the spirit of Christmas um, is in abundance in relation to the campaign that we talked about and launched on your programme not so long ago, the Christmas present campaign that was dreamt up by a lovely man in Trim to try and help the Join Our Boys Trust um, raise more awareness of the boys' situation and the fact that we're trying to get enough money to finish a purpose-built home that we will borrow is owned by the Trust for the rest of the boys' short lives. And... Um, we asked people if they would help us try and get 100,000 euros of 300,000 that we needed because we felt there's no way we could get to 300,000. And I can tell you that, um, to my knowledge, um, as of yesterday, we have hit 150,000 euros. Wow. 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 And, That's fantastic. It's fantastic. And I suppose it's, you know, you know the situation here, Will. The problem is that... You know, we have a bottomless pit and every time we go looking for help, the people of Ireland, England and America respond and they help us. And I think what people appreciate is that every single euro, dollar and pound that has been donated goes exactly where it's meant to go for the trust, whether that's research or the house, because everyone involved is a volunteer. I think people like that. But also I think people understand that um, 
it's a very, you know, unusual situation to have three terminally ill children. And also that I think people like the idea and that they're giving their money in the knowledge that we don't own this house. We will never own this house. We're borrowing it and we've all raised this money um, for, for Archie, George and Isaac, but also that in the future it could help others. So it's a legacy project and I think that appeals to people as well. And of course, just the fact that people are so generous and kind and have so much compassion in their hearts. Uh- that gives all of us a lift. Obviously, it directly benefits you, and that first and foremost. But sometimes, in the midst of what has been, unfortunately, another dark year for many, it's nice to hear of the human spirit being so uh, giving and so generous. And not just in monetary terms. What other offers of assistance have you received? Well, only only yesterday, I've been wrestling for weeks trying to get. You know, obviously, because the building trade, as you know, is just it's. You know, it's so busy and there's problem with supply issues because of Brexit and COVID and the rest of it. So worktops have been a massive issue for us. And um, I spoke to, I've had a couple of conversations with a company in Mead this week. And I'm ashamed to say at the top of my head, um, Granite, I can't remember the full name of them. Isn't that awful? But a lovely guy called Porrick and their managing director, David Lyons, um, um, have decided they're going to sponsor the worktops for the kitchen and the utility. Fantastic. And when so, you get that name, and look, you've so much in your head at the moment, just let me know and we'll give them a proper plug for their generosity. Brilliant. Brilliant. But there's been, so, there's been so many things, Will. People are just, you know, just pe- the, the fencing company in Dundalk, Elite Fence, um, Dothaïe, they sponsored all the fencing. You know, and maybe we can do something once we move into the house. We can speak to you again and we can we can give you a list of those people because um, we've just been very, very lucky. You know, in recent months this has happened, you know, with these kinds of things. So, But it's because of people like you and your producers that give us the opportunity to tell the story and, and ask for help. And it's very difficult asking for help, you know. I suppose we... We rationalise it that it's, it's, you know, for the children, to benefit the children, but it's still very difficult to go out and ask for money. It's very difficult when your nature is to be somebody that gives. It's, it's very hard, but people make it easier for us with their compassion. They really do. Well, we're only doing our job. It's you who has to put yourself into the breach, and in fairness to the many thousands of listeners across the Midlands who answer the call every single time. Uh, It's them, they make the sacrifice as well financially so that others can be better off. But uh, there is one visitor, of course, uh, who will be arriving uh, Christmas night. Are you all set? Well, look, it's, it's, as you can imagine, it's been particularly chaotic um, this last month. But George and Isaac read their letters on Tuesday. So that was really helpful. That was really helpful for Santa and Mrs. Claus. But um, I have full confidence that Rudolph will deliver um, on, you know, Saturday morning. I'm sure that that will happen and I will have very happy boys. Well, Paula, to you and to your family, a very happy Christmas and all the best for 2022. The same to you, Will, and your listeners. And thank you so much. You're always so understanding. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. 0818 300 103, the Midlands 103 comment line. Always willing to hear the positives because it's it's unfortunate the nature of our world. You hear of people like Paula who need that help all too often. But when you hear what your money has been used to achieve and how it has made life that little bit easier, even in horrendous circumstances, it does. It is important to know what your effort has led to. So we will try and follow up with as many good causes over not just this week, but into next week as well. Um, There are many good news stories in the world and sometimes, and and we're guilty of this as well, I'm not just pointing the finger at at national newspapers, sometimes you can become a little uh, fixated and the tunnel vision comes out. And and yes, of course, COVID is important and, you know, some of the other challenges in, in the world, housing and so on. But... At this time of year, let's try and dial it down just a little bit for now. Um, still on the menu today, the Portleash petrol head shall be here. Bob Flavin, uh, what do you get a petrol head for Christmas and does it have to be expensive? Also, how a firefighter 
injured in the line of duty. He's back home with his family in Athlone, very much looking forward to a special couple of days. Uh, I saw a video of Lady Gaga performing with Tony Bennett and it was a recent video and unfortunately Tony's healthy. He's now in his 90s and his uh, memory isn't the best and he is battling a form of dementia and she was so kind and so helpful with him and uh, they've recorded some really beautiful songs together, a fantastic Christmas album as well. If you haven't heard it, it's worth uh, picking up a copy or streaming it. A comment from Trish. Thanks for your message, Trish. She says, having experienced the support of hospice home care with my mum in her fight against cancer, it is absolutely criminal. They have to rely on donations to keep going. Yet the government invests millions to give pharmaceutical companies uh, money for vaccines and tests for COVID. And I'm sorry to give out at Christmas, but nearly... 17 months on and and how many deaths later, nothing has changed. Thanks for your company in 2021. God bless you and your family this Christmas and New Year. Thank you, Trish. And I I hear your point. And I look, unfortunately, pharmaceutical companies, they are in the business of making money. They have shareholders and they expect a return. And it is expensive to develop medicines, not just for COVID, but for all sorts of illnesses. And that needs to be paid for but at the same time when you consider some of the incredible value offered not just by hospice home care by home carers and even those in the health system who are maybe undervalued health care assistants for instance do tremendous work and the hourly rates of pay are not good compared to the commitment and the effort and the value they contribute so Is the system weighted fairly? No, it's not. And, you know, sometimes it's those who can shout the loudest. The squeaky wheel is always oil first, isn't it? Thanks again for your comment, Trish. Now, still to come on Midlands 103, if you should have to isolate over the Christmas period, and unfortunately thousands, tens of thousands of people are in that position... One of the main concerns going through your head is not actually for your own welfare, but for those of your nearest and dearest. You'll meet one leash woman who is holed up at the moment and is feeling the guilt. But is the guilt justified? Again, a little bit of good news from the papers today. The latest research from Britain suggests you are 40% less likely to be hospitalised by the Omicron variant of COVID-19 compared to the Delta strain. And also, again from Britain, some evidence that the number of cases is flattening and has remained more or less steady for the last five days. Still at a, a high level, but it has often been at a greater spike as well. So, again, in the big picture some reasons to be hopeful but if you're cooked up in your room for the next couple of days because you potentially have COVID that's a headache Uh, quite a literal one depending on your symptoms but what's nearly worse is asking yourself who did I pass it on to? Hmm but are those reasonable questions or are you just beating yourself up when it's not your fault. Shuan Lennon has been wrestling with this. She's audience editor with the Irish Independent. And right now she's in Rosen Alice in her home county of Leash. How are you, Shuan? I'm very good. How are you, Will? Great, thank you. Uh, but when I say how are you, how are you feeling? What, what are the symptoms? I'm actually, thankfully, I'm not too bad. My symptoms have been quite mild. Um, the first few days, all right, I did notice that I had a strong cough. Um, but otherwise, I'm feeling quite healthy, relatively speaking. Now, you are fit and young and well able to withstand COVID-19. And I suppose you could rationalise that. You weren't in any fear for yourself, really. But what was racing through your mind? Yes. Yeah, so once I knew that I would be relatively OK, my mind kind of moved to, oh, my God, will my parents be OK? What will Christmas look like now? And um, what will the neighbours think? And who have I potentially passed this on to? 
And did you beat yourself up or did, were you able to rationalise in your mind, look, this is a virus. I didn't ask for it. It's not my fault. I think I massively beat myself up the first few days when I was waiting for my parents to get their PCR test back. And again, you're kind of, you're in your own room, just you and four walls. So yeah, it's very easy to let negative thoughts slip in and out of your head. Um, but yeah, I think for the first two days, I definitely beat myself up about it. And now I've kind of come to a more rational decision. Well, it's an illness, it's a virus. I didn't intentionally pass it on to anyone. And thankfully, both my parents came back negative. Good. So I suppose that was a lot of factor, yeah. And were you worried that people might judge you and ask whether you picked it up, let's say, in work or in the pub? <laughs> yeah, I suppose that was another huge thing um, I kind of noticed. People would be interested in where you picked it up. So if you're working, that's obviously fine. You're doing your job, fair play to you. If you're socialising, it's slightly different. Um, it's as if you have maybe a laissez-faire approach to it, even though we've been in the pandemic for two years and people have to go out and socialise to some limit anyways. I'm not saying to go out and rub shoulders with everyone, but yeah, I definitely noticed that there is a bit of a stigma if you caught it on night out versus at your workplace. Did you get an answer to that question? Because, I, again, I've talked to so many people of late. It's so widespread. It's hard to say where you picked it up. Yeah, I, I actually did. I picked it up in my graduation, unfortunately. So I went up to Queen's University Belfast for my graduation last Monday. And there was a good few positive cases in our classmates. So once I started getting the symptoms, I booked in for a PCR test and that confirmed it, yeah. All right, but in fairness, you don't graduate every day or even every year, so it's that one occasion that you can't miss. (laughs) I wouldn't change a thing about it. Well, I would change one thing about it, catching COVID, but otherwise, no, I was quite happy. And I'm just, I'm happy that my parents are safe, my family's safe, and my close contacts, they all came back negative, so. Great, okay, that's a relief, that's a relief. So you really just have to sit this one out and in the bedroom, when do you finally get your release? I get my release on Christmas Day, actually, so it's nice. Ah, lovely. Yeah, and I know I'm very lucky because I've heard of so many people now who are just getting their test results back, which obviously means isolating for Christmas. And it's a horrible feeling and to have guilt and shame on top of it when it's not necessary is just, uh, it's the cherry on top of a very unfortunate cake. So. I'm curious, Sean, how do you fill the time? Because you can only devote so much energy to work and after that, is it Netflix? It's a lot of Netflix, Will. A lot of online games as well. Um, my mum joked that if my room isn't clean by now, it never will be. And unfortunately, <laughs> I'm just looking around my room. It's never going to be clean. I'm really sorry, mum. <laughs> She's going to be so let down when that door finally opens. <laughs> Such potential there. Sean, I wish you a happy Christmas. Thank you very much for sharing your story. Thank you very much, Will, and same to you and yours. And you can read more, by the way, in the Irish Independent this morning, or indeed at independent.ie online. Sean Lennon from Rose and Alice works as audience editor with the paper. Next, how one man had the most incredible escape of his life, and only for some quick thinking, this story would not have a happy ending. When you're on the road, sooner or later you're going to meet somebody who's in a hurry and they're flashing their lights and they're beeping their horn and you're thinking, what an idiot. But every now and again, maybe they're trying to tell you something. Let me explain, or rather, let Morgan Fagg explain because he is our athlone man in Madrid. Hello, Morgan. Good morning. How are you, Will? I'm great. I'm great. You had a rather narrow escape. <laughs> Happy to be with you. <laughs> Indeed. What happened? Well, to be to be honest, I don't know. I presume there'll be a, an investigation into the cause of the accident. But uh, from my perspective, I was... Uh, uh, luckily, I wasn't listening to uh, radio or I wasn't um, li- listening to an audio book like I might normally be doing, taking my uh, normal commute. 
But uh, a car started uh, aggressively accelerating, overtaking, beeping its horn at a bus. And I was going, what an idiot. What is this guy doing? Uh, trying to overtake a bus on a T-junction. But then he slowed down uh, parallel with the bus and the bus just pulled over. So, you know, I didn't hear what the what the bus driver said, but he the, the car luckily had got my attention and as soon as I saw the bus driver pulling over and, and, and talking to people at the front, I was going, okay, what's what's going on? And when I looked to the back, I could see that the back of the bus was, was smoking. Now, I presume there was just an engine fire, but still, it's a fire. Uh, so I just shouted, uh, fuera, 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 in, in Spanish for get out, get out, get out. And, um, uh, you know, it was luckily there wasn't many people on the on the bus at the time. And, so how quickly uh, did it take everybody to, to get out? Uh, I would I would say you know only about thirty seconds. Uh, now there was a woman who who was uh, wearing earphones who wasn't aware of anything and she didn't hear me uh, shouting to get out. So I just had to go back, grab her by the arm, pull her out of her seat, and start bringing her up to the front of the bus uh, because she was completely unaware of what was happening. So uh, yeah, there there we were, um, able to evacuate luckily because this driver had warned us. Uh, but the scary thing is, in the morning, if the same thing had happened, they fill that bus. And I mean, they fill it full. And I can't imagine what would happen if you had 25 people in the middle aisle uh, and uh, emergency exits uh, with people sitting on the steps. Um, it, you know, I just, I just can't imagine what it would have been like. But fortunately, that uh, driver who spotted smoke and probably flames coming out of our engine, uh, was able to raise the alarm and uh, we had plenty of time to evacuate. So well, one, got off one the... piece of the puzzle that we haven't revealed yet mm. is just how quickly the bus took flame as opposed to smoke. So we see it in the movies and mm. we think, well, that's just for Hollywood. But how Absolutely. closely did it resemble the real thing? Now, I, I've had a look at the timestamps on my photo, so I've, 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 I've a better idea. Uh, now... When I got off the bus, you could see the smoke coming out the back, but I could also see the flames licking outside the uh, the engine port. So, you know, there was flames. And I would say about two minutes later, the whole thing was ablaze. And within about five, uh, about five minutes, the bus had completely burnt down. So um, luckily, we w- the bus wasn't full. It was, it, 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 there wasn't many of us on board, but that bus driver, uh, whoever he was, whoever she was, um, just did so much to give us extra time in realising that there was a problem on board. So, when did it hit you? Because at the time you're full of adrenaline and you get out mm-hmm. and, you, you know, you don't really absorb the uh, the gravity of the situation mm. until later. So, are you at home? Are you sleeping in the bed? When does it hit? Uh, well, I... As soon as I got off the bus, I was thinking, okay, it's just it's just an engine fire. It's nothing to worry about. I back, I back off. I, I, I start taking some pictures, back off further. I'm looking at the, the, the bus driver. He's going around the bus and trying to stop traffic from coming near it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's quite amazing to watch this small uh, affluent community uh, turning into what looked like a war zone as a big black... Um, uh, puffs of smoke started to just engulf the sky, and um, all of the windows started to uh, to break out. So, you know, as 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 I as I said, we had plenty of time. Um, there's there's no point being being alarmist about that. But if it had happened in the morning, for example, when when they filled the bus full of students going to a nearby university, it that's scary. That scares me. Well, you're here to tell the tale. That's what matters. <laughs> What's uh, the plan over the next couple of days and describe Christmas in Madrid for us? Well, as you can imagine, uh, every, 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 everyone probably has their plans all up in the air at the moment. So um, uh, not, not, not sure really where, 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 where Madrid is. Obviously, a lot of cases, a lot of uh, kind of question marks. So New Year's plans have been scrapped because uh, myself and my girlfriend were to, uh, to travel uh, so that's that's scrapped, and I'm hopefully going to be still able to have a, a Christmas dinner with with her family. Uh, masks mask mandates have been brought back over here in in Spain, but um, I don't think we have the same sort of access to uh, antigen testing and 
different testing um, like you have in Ireland. Like I've, I was trying to get hold of an antigen test just because I've been around people who who have tested positive recently and uh, uh, there's no pharmacies over here that, that seem to stop them. So um, everything's up in the air. And I suppose the thing about the bus, the, the bus incident is, you know, we never know what's around the corner. We never know... Uh, um, where, where things are going but just like the bus driver we've got to look out for each other we've got to spot uh, when we see something's wrong warn people and uh, and give them every possible advantage because to me a burning bus is a perfect uh, symbol for 2020-2021 and uh, the only way we're going to I suppose improve in the new year is um, as long as we make sure you know people have every every opportunity whether it's PPE or whether it's um, uh, making sure there's uh, red hammers on um, on buses to break out windows if, if need be. So Indeed, well, hopefully we 2022 is the year of the shiny new bus. Let's hope so. Yeah. Well, An I electric one, probably. At, 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 at least my bus uh, is not as dangerous as Boris's big red uh, Brexit bus. That, that oh, fire oh, still oh, hasn't oh. been put out. Let's so, not even uh, mention Boris. Know. He's in even more trouble now. <laughs> Morgan, have a great Christmas. Thank you very much for you making too. time you for too. us. You too. Take care. Morgan Fagg from Athlone originally and living in Madrid. Yesterday, Mark Smith became a very happy chappy because he won €100 Euro to spend with Cummins Motor Group, who are bringing the quality of Opal back to County Leash. Now, it's your turn to win. It's time for the Midlands 183 Advent Calendar Daily Christmassy Question. Midlands 183. Today, that question is worth a hamper full of Tipperary Crystal goodness from the Tipperary Crystal store in Mullingar. You can browse and shop online, tipperarycrystal.ie, and find the Mullingar store on Facebook for gorgeous gift ideas for somebody special this Christmas. What is your question? The all-time highest-grossing Christmas movie is... Love Actually, The Grinch, or is it Home Alone? You know the answer, or you just want to have a stab at it? Midlands103.com right now. And still on the agenda this morning. Um, Well, we're trying to highlight as many positives of Christmas as we can to escape from what has become the inescapable over the last year and a half or more at this stage. And you've heard this morning already how one man had an incredible escape uh, in Madrid. What could have been very different if not for the kind actions of a motorist who was responsible and tried to chase him down. And Anyway, it all ended well. And then Paula Nocton from the Join Our Boys campaign, just filled with joy to know that so many people care and €150,000 raised in a very short period of time to try and make the final years for her three boys as pleasant and as enjoyable and memorable as possible. So, good news stories. And now we turn our attention to another family who are back together for Christmas and who have had quite a rough couple of weeks, to say the least. Patrick Berry was the firefighter injured while battling a house fire in Mount Temple not so long ago. And he actually had to spend quite a time in hospital and then he was recovering in Eskery Nursing Home in in their fantastic care. But he's back home and I'd say quite relieved is his partner, Nicky Beaumont. Well, are are you relieved that he's home or are you fed up of him already, Nicky? Good morning. (laughs) Yeah, it's a mixture now, to be honest with (laughs) And we're delighted to have him home, you know, absolutely over the moon. And we'll have some kind of normality back for Christmas, you know. So it's great. So describe for us when you got him home, the logistics that you had to put in place. Because I know you were saying the kitchen was in a heap. He had done some work before the injury and it was only half finished. Yeah. So we did, we got we got a finish to a standard that he was able to come in and it was wheelchair accessible, really. Um, so I had to, there was a lot of organisation just before he came home. We had to get the hospital bed. So that's in the sitting room. Um, and that's where he currently is. So that's kind of how we're living at the moment. You know, the hospital bed's in the sitting room and we can use the new kitchen and, you know, it still has a lot of 
um, a lot of work to do, but it's 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 grand the way it is. We're not too worried about it. It's more cosmetic, really. And just physically, how is he doing? Because I recall the list of injuries you gave us the last time you were on air. It was nearly easier to tell us what wasn't broken. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, he's he's still in immense pain, to be honest. He's, 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 uh, he's just started to kind of bear weight on the leg um, that he had had the the plates put into the leg. Um, so they just advise him to start bearing weight on that for very minimal, but, um, you know, it's positive. Um, we're still kind of waiting on the back. He He's in a lot of pain, put it that way. He, he's due an operation in January for the collarbone that has to be repaired. So that's all pending on the back. So we have to wait to have a standard X-ray on his on the vertebrae to see if they will need stabilisation with rods or not. So it's still very early, to be honest, you know. So. And do you know if that's going to be the last operation? We're not too sure. Not too sure. We just know that the clavicle is a, is a definite one, you know. that's The, the collarbone is, is going to be done. But again, that's pending on the, on the back. So if the back doesn't need any stabilisation, they'll go ahead and they'll do the, the collarbone at the end of January. Um, and then he starts coming off the brace, so he still has the brace on. So that that's going to be on till the end of January, and then um, they kind of taper it off a little bit. So it's a full brace from under the neck right down to the stomach. Um, so it's quite uncomfortable, really, you know. Well, after the injury, and again for those who weren't listening at the time, the gable end of a house effectively fell on him, and the list of injuries was just incredible. But a GoFundMe campaign was established. It has raised in excess of €50,000 to try and yep. just make this a little bit easier. So how has it helped you? Do you know, it, it's, it helps so much. Like we're, we're kind of leaving it there because we know that there's going to be a lot of expenses on us. They've already started coming in. So that's going to help towards that. It has helped already towards getting the house somewhat ready for for Pat to come home um but again we're just keeping it there and we're using it towards his medical expenses and you know that's that's what it's going to be used for it's just it's such comfort to know that it's there to help us because without that money I don't know what we do it's, you know I just don't know what we do and so that's what it's been used for at the moment just towards anything to make him comfortable. Any bills that we need to pay out of it in regards to his medical expenses are been that's what it's been used for at the moment. So, yeah. You've three kids in the mix as well, yeah. 15, 9 and 2. Uh, certainly, some of the older kids, are they able to help out in some way? Oh, yeah, with an argument. <laughs> that's, um, that, that's what 15-year-olds do. What about the 9-year-old? <laughs> Yeah, oh Jesus! It's not. It's actually. It's easier not to get them to help out now at this stage. I just get on with it. But uh, yeah, I know they'll help you out if if you if you put your foot down, I suppose. But they're kind of adjusting. You know, it's hard for them as well. It's really after just. It's it's after turning their world upside down, you know. And when we got Pa home, the reality had set in even more that this is only starting. The recovery has only started now, you know. And that it's it's going to take so long, and it really has. We had to really adjust our lives to it, so we're still kind of learning to to adapt to it. And for you, because you've had to be the glue and try and hold everything together, mm. what will you be doing this Christmas to try and treat yourself? Oh God! I'm trying. Oh God! That's a, that's a good question, Will. <laughs> um. I'm just basically trying to hold it together, to be honest. I'm just trying to take over. Usually, Pa would do the Christmas dinner, and we'd have, you know, he he would, he loves cooking Christmas dinner. But this year, I'm going to have to take over, so that's going to be that's going to be fun. So is he going to supervise? He, oh, oh my God! I'd say he'd be he'd be behind me every step of the way, telling me what I'm doing wrong, more so. <laughs> But, um, well, yeah, in the future, he might get a job then as a manager or a supervisor. He could become very accomplished at that. Many men are. Yeah. 
I, I supervise oh, all the time so and I'm happy to it. sample, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, he oh, he'll definitely be supervising me anyway. <laughs> so it'll be an interesting one with me cooking the dinner. But um, yeah, no, it's just it's just really, it's a different feel this year for us for Christmas, you know, it really is. Um, yeah, it's it's been hard. It's been really, really hard on us and the kids. And I'm just trying to keep it a little bit more upbeat and a little bit more... Uh, have the spirit, you know, the Christmas spirit, because we're we're finding it hard to find it this year, fortunately. But we keep trying to look to the future and say, listen, next year we'll be in a better place, you know. So that's all we can do, really. I was watching a video of Tom Hanks, the actor, and he was in a round table discussion, and the topic was, "What do you wish you knew when you were younger?" And he said, "This too shall pass." And it, yeah. it refers, of course, to times like this, which are challenging and tough. But also sometimes when you're euphoric and the world can't stop you, you know, that too shall pass as well. So, yeah. you know, time can be your ally in this. And as you know, well, in a few months time, you look back and things will be better and times will feel brighter. And I think you've done an incredible job to get as far as you have. And hopefully over the next few days, Santa might bring you a present or two as well. Hopefully. <laughs> Hope he hasn't forgot me. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just happy to have him home and have him alive. And it could have been a whole different story. It could have been a different story for, for our family this year. We're just we're just so happy he's here, Indeed. you know. Indeed. Nikki, happy Christmas and all the best for 2022. Thanks so much, Will. You too. That's Nikki Beaumont from Athlone. Her partner is Patrick Berry, the firefighter injured in that house fire in Mount Temple. But he's now back home, family's back together, and Christmas is almost upon us. And with that in mind, let's start feeling festive again. Pentatonics. If you're a fan of a cappella music, just look them up, because what they are able to do, all from natural human sounds, is just mind-boggling. And it's a pure talent. Pentatonics. Now... Still on the agenda today, unfortunately, while we are trying to get in the festive spirit, not everybody is. I'll tell you what the latest Gartha warning about a scam involves. And still chances for you to win. With thanks to Tipperary Crystal in Mullingar Shopping Centre, a fabulous hamper, the ideal Christmas gift. And by the way, you can consider some of their gorgeous jewellery for any occasion. Superb housewares and accessories for home, with designer wallets and handbags. And of course, beautiful Tipperary Crystal as well. Search for the Tipperary Crystal store Mullingar on Facebook for any ideas you may need as the clock ticks down. Now, a huge well done to the Fitzgerald family in Rochford Bridge. And Alan is a really loyal listener to the programme. And I don't know how you've put up with me all these years, Alan, but thank you. Uh, the Westmeath uh, Examiner on their Facebook page have produced a stunning video of his home, which is illuminated in the most elaborate Santa and festive and Christmas decorations that I think I've ever seen. And, you know, we've had some great uh, houses around the Midlands over the years. Uh, Jim and Helen in Motor, I remember from Make-A-Wish. I've no idea how many years you did it, guys, or how much money was spent. But uh, Alan, for the last 10 years, has been just lighting up the neighbourhood and he's there being interviewed in his festive jumper. So again, if you're on Facebook, check out the video on the Westmeath Examiner page. Um, now, still on the agenda today, as schools are now closed and we're not really going to think too far ahead to the resumption, well, some people have to, and the teachers' union, the ASTI, wants an impartial expert to examine one of the safety measures that will be in the classrooms. And we'll tell you very soon which of those safety measures they're concerned about. Um, but we're not going to dwell on it, OK? That is the deal, given the time of year and the effort we're making to be festive. 
Now, at this time when you and I and so many others are lucky enough to hopefully have family around, members of the Irish Defence Forces are in Syria and there are three soldiers who form part of the 64th Infantry Group and they're on a peacekeeping mission with the United Nations in the Golan Heights right now. Midlands 103's Joe Caulfield has been finding out about the work they're doing there. And he begins with Westmeath gunner Adam Phelan. And here's what he has to say. Um, I'm gunner Adam Phelan. I'm in the 64th Infantry Group in Undaf, Syria. Um, so our mission is basically we have an AO and it's in the Golden Heights and we just have to secure the area. My particular um, role out here is with the floor STA system. So we're kind of like a reconnaissance unit that provides um, it might be overwatch when there's clearance OPs going on with the engineers or it could be the likes of um, discovering barrels that may be along the, the technical fence which separates Syria from Israel and things like that. So a lot of different roles. Was this a particular, when you, I suppose when you joined the army, was this a particular goal of yours that you wanted to serve overseas, that you wanted to get the, this experience? Yeah, well, I suppose like, I, I suppose when civvies at home talk to us, like, it's kind of like some people don't really understand some of our roles, but like, when I joined the army, my main thing was to to get overseas, I suppose, that's what every young lad aims for that wants to join the army and get the experience of traveling the world and the experience of like trying to help people, I suppose, is, is the main goal, you know, um, and then coming to Syria, obviously, it's a newer mission than the Lebanon where we serve elsewhere, so it's, it's good to get over here and you know, experience it. And what's your interaction with the people on the ground there? Um, the people over here are friendly, like, you know, I suppose they've gone through hard times and all the rest of it as well. But at the same time, we drive through, whether it be checkpoints or towns or villages or whatever, and they always have a smile and a wave for us the majority of the time. I suppose they know we're here to help too. So uh, for the most part, it's, it's good, like. That's good to hear. So tell us a little bit about your family back at home. I know that you had a daughter who was born just before you deployed. Yeah, so um, myself and my wife, Edwina, had um, our first child, um, Tilly. Uh, she was born four weeks before I left. She was actually four weeks old the day after I went into quarantine before we left to come over here. So she's 18 weeks now, Friday. So um, she's getting hardy now. I, I nearly won't know her when I go home. She'd be so big, but only for WhatsApp calls and everything. Now it's great that we can still see each other every day, I suppose. Yeah, well, I, I'd say that is uh, the great thing that, you know, through either Zoom or WhatsApp or something like that, at least you can, you can see her and see the progress she's making. But it must be tough all the same to be away from her, particularly at Christmas. It's tough, yeah. I suppose it is, like, you know, I suppose we're trying not to think about it as much. And then as, as best we can, we send home videos and stuff like that to make it easier. But I think it's nearly harder on them at home, like, because we're out here and we're busy and, you know, time is, is going fairly fast because we have a good group, but it's nearly harder on herself at home, say, or even the family, like, we miss me at Christmas time. But look, as she said to me the other day, we'll have the Christmas tree up in April when we come home. They might think we're cracked, but sure, we'll have Christmas in April and it'll be worth it then, you know. Yeah, you're absolutely dead right. And is there any message that you'd like to send back home uh, to your wife, to your daughter, and to your family in general for the Christmas? Yeah, just uh, Edwina and Tilly, my wife and my daughter, and to my mum and dad, Paddy and Magella, and um, to my mother and father-in-law and that. Just hope you have a great Christmas and um, we'll be home soon in April. The time is flying around, so we'll see you soon. Corporal Jonathan Tuft from Abilene County Deed. So I'm, uh, I'm told that you are the organiser of the Movember effort in Syria. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I was indeed. So I'm a Movember ambassador for Movember Ireland. So uh, men's mental health and that type of thing is something I'm quite passionate about. Like, so especially over in this type of environment, you can expect some guys might get a bit down, especially this time of year because of, you know, Christmas and that type of thing. So we, throughout November, I think it was 86 of us, we decided to go, uh, well, some attempted, but most of us grew a moustache uh, throughout November. And uh, all together, we raised 3,585 euro from November Ireland. So we're all very, very proud of that so far. Absolutely. And well, you should be. And tell us a little bit about, so I know that you're involved in mental health and well-being initiatives in Leash as well. Tell me a little bit about the work that you've done back home. Right. So in uh, uh, December, the 6th of December, 2020, I decided to do a walk or as we like to call it in the army, a tab. So it was a 55 kilometer tab with 55 pounds on my backpack. So I started from the Curra camp in County Kildare, which is where I'm originally based. And I walked all the way back to my hometown of Aberdeen County Leash, which took me about 13 and a half hours, I believe it, it took altogether. And I raised 7,860 euro in total. So that's, that's something I was very proud of. And because of that, Movember uh, decided to make me a Movember ambassador, which is why I carried it on to this year and hopefully next year and the following years. 
we can make a good few events and raise a good few pounds for uh, mental health and that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's incredibly good going. 13 hours to walk 55k. I wouldn't do it on a bike in mm. that much time. <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle sometimes, even in the mornings, to drive down that motorway. But uh, yeah, we started, I, say, I think it was three o'clock in the morning we started that. And I finished up in the Manor Hotel there in Abergavenny at about quarter past four, I, I believe it was. And uh, I got about 81,000 steps that day now, which I've, I don't think I'll ever beat, to be honest with you know. But, uh, no, no, that's yeah, that's... It, was a great, it was a great achievement, like, you know, and it, it, was, uh, it was good to get the Army involved in it. That's what I hope to do with Movember. To try to get the army involved in it more because it's it's such a male dominated type of job, like you know. So tell us a little bit about your family at home. Who's uh, who will you be yeah, catching so up with Christmas? Mum and dad back at home, and my sister, my niece, and my nephew. And I have to mention my little dog called Willie as well. He's he's I hate to say it now, but he's the one I'm missing the most now. He's the one I, I spend most of my time with, you know, every day. We usually have a little walk and stuff like that. So I'll FaceTime to have presents for me back home. So I'm gonna FaceTime me and open them back home, and then I have something to look forward to when I get home around April, you know. My name is Peter Cunningham. Um, I'm a corporal in the Defence Forces and I'm from Brackna in County Offaly. So this is your second tour overseas and your second Christmas overseas. Where were you the last time you were overseas at Christmas? Yeah, this is my second tour overseas. In 2019, I was in the Lebanon till 2020 and now I'm over in Syria till 2022 April. Um, the last time, obviously, it was so new um i didn't really know what i'd be like um it's different of course very different being away from home especially when you're so used to having a lot of family around you at the time but yeah look it's especially over here to kind of make it as christmasy as they can it's everyone joins in together there's stuff on for people you have plenty of time to ring home um it's good now look i i knew like i said i knew what i was getting myself in for this time so i'm not too bad and tell us a little bit about your, your day-to-day duties then when you're out on patrol. Yeah, look, the duties uh, would be probably as patrol commander out here. Um, so I just involved the likes of finding your routes, um, where you're heading, giving your orders, um, and then just making sure you get the patrol over and back safe. Um, day-to-day things, you could be you could be on jobs in around the camp if you're not on patrol, um, and just, just uh, basic jobs like that. Okay, so it's quite uh, it's quite different from the uh, the inter county football scene that you left behind. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot different than that now. Are you um, missing it? Yeah, of course I'm missing it. Yeah, I, I'd lie if I said I wasn't. Um, but it was just something I had to do at the time for um, just personal reasons and uh, especially with the going up to division now. Um, I'm kind of missing the big thing this year with the league. Um, so that was a hard enough chase there. But like I said, it was just it was just something I had to make. Um, I'll be home in April. I think the league could be just finishing up, so I, I'll miss I miss the whole league. But look, like I said, it was a decision I had to make. But yeah, I'm I'd be missing it a lot now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, back to, back a little bit to matters at hand. Who all is at home now over Christmas that you might be Zoom calling or WhatsApp calling on on Christmas Day? Me, yeah. Look, I have a big family, so um, of course I'll be. Zoom calling all them Christmas morning. Um, my fiance at home, I'll have to Zoom call her and her family. So just uh, happy Christmas to everyone at home. Same, um, hope everyone's keeping well. And sure, I'll be home before everyone even knows it. And that report by Midlands 103's Joe Caulfield. And if you know some of the gents and you think others might like to hear it, just check out the listen back section of midlands103.com. And a little bit later, today's edition of the Midlands Today programme will be available to listen back to those gents and we wish them a very happy Christmas. Are you through making noise there? I've, I've company in the background, you see. I, I have extra producers this morning who were supposed to be quiet, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah. Yes. And we managed to buy uh, some cooperation and silence for the first hour and a half and now what has happened, uh, Robert Donnelly, or not Robert Donnelly, Robert Fahey, our sports editor, uh, very kindly gave in some gingerbread men who are absolutely loaded with sugar. Yes. And what does sugar do? Hyper. Yes, makes you go hyper. So have a, have a little seat there and um, continue to uh, sit in not silence <laughs> for another 20 minutes. Oh, what is on the agenda this morning? Still another chance for you to win a fabulous hamper thanks to Tipperary Crystal in Mullingar. Also, we will 
hear about the latest scam. And unfortunately, at this time of year, the criminals do not rest. And particularly if you have grandparents, this one is relevant to you. And next, for schools going back in January, the Secondary Teachers Union, the ASTI, wants one measure in particular to be independently assessed. And let's see if you agree with their argument in just a few minutes. Again, in the spirit of being positive for this Christmas and we're coming into the closing days and hopefully a chance to switch off some of the horrendous news of the last uh, 18 months. It's more than 18 months now, isn't it? Gosh, it's nearly two years since COVID-19 first became an agenda. But we are in a far better place than was the case 12 months ago in so many ways. If you consider that when schools broke up last Christmas, there really was that expectation they wouldn't resume in January as planned. Now, nobody thought they would be as close uh, close for as long as they were, but certainly the first week of January seemed rather optimistic. Whereas now, that mood as the... Uh, Schools break up and as the Department of Education concludes its preparations with the uh, teachers' representatives, the mood is positive. Uh, There is some trepidation. There are some wrinkles to be ironed out. But there is a very good fighting chance that schools can resume in an organised way in the new year. So let's tease out, I suppose, what has to be uh, completed and uh, worked on for the next couple of weeks. Eamon Dennehy is the president of the Association of Secondary Teachers in Ireland. Eamon, good morning. Morning. So just give us an indication of what was on the agenda this week, what sort of issues still have to be worked out. Well, we met with with, uh, uh, education and uh, public health on Wednesday morning, and uh, and the minister was present as well. And it was a very positive, uh, 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 cooperative, etc., meeting, uh, very positive, and uh, we made uh, some uh, requests with regard to what we wanted to do going forward with regard to keeping schools as as safe as possible. And that has been our stance for the last, as you said, almost two years now. And I suppose it is getting monotonous, but this uh, COVID-19 doesn't get tired, so we can't stop either uh, trying to fight back, I suppose, and trying and our, our main objective is to keep the schools open, and if they're to stay open, they have to remain safe. So uh, any mitigation measures that can be taken, we want those to be put in place. And that, that is what our, uh, our uh, uh, discussion was all about. And, and funding has been made in, uh, available as well to schools with regard to that. Um, uh, here's, I suppose, the $60 million dollar question, though, Eamon. How is that money to be spent? That that is a good question because uh, some of our members are coming back to us, you know, and it is about uh, you know putting measures in place to reduce COVID. But as you can imagine, uh, the vast majority of of, uh, of principal teachers and members of board of management, for that matter, and teachers themselves, they're not uh, you know structural engineers or architects or health experts either, you know. So we're looking for guidance with regard to the spending of these of these funds the funds are extremely welcome but you know teachers by their nature are very prudent people and they they don't want to waste this money and they need some uh, guidance around it and that that uh, that was part of our discussion now there was many positive uh, uh, things as well i mean uh, schools have managed we are in a better place you mentioned it there yourself things are looking a little better than they were uh, last year with regard to um exams going forward and what have you. So we're, we're, you know, there is reason, I hope, to be optimistic. Uh, we have to remain optimistic around this around this issue, I think. One particular issue that was discussed, the filters, the HEPA filters, or some say HEPA filters, call them what you will, but they yeah. aim to remove viruses from the air. and They make rather bold claims, 99% of viruses remove things of that nature. Uh, are they all made equally? Well, you see, I don't know, and neither do most of our teachers. So it is, uh, it's research and information like that, I suppose, that we would appreciate. And as well as that, a HEPA filter isn't maybe the solution in lots of, uh, of situations. And I suppose one of the huge problems here, and again, I, I know I'm banging this drum constantly, but it is the lack of investment. You know, our buildings are creaking and falling down and what have you. So everything we're doing is, it's all emergency stuff that we're doing instead of, 
you know, taking a long-term view and, uh, you know, replacing the stock of, of, uh, of buildings that we have because many of them are not fit for purpose anymore and haven't been for a long time. And, uh, and when you say HEPA filters are the, the cure, they may in certain situations and they may not. And I certainly am not expert enough to, to guide anybody with regard to that. They certainly, you know, the idea that they remove particles and stuff and remove viruses and we'll take them at their word that they do that, I'm sure they help. So we, we would be looking for them. If they, if they are genuinely a help, then we want them. But we want the right ones as well. And uh, who, who decides that? So we need, we need experts on board here to, uh, you know, make these decisions properly so that we're not buying equipment maybe that is not fit for purpose and ends up being useless. And that's, that's an awful waste of money. We don't want that to happen. It's a reasonable ask. So when you presented the case to the department, and ultimately it's about getting value for the taxpayer, was there any resistance to getting this guidance for you? No, no it, it didn't appear so. No, it, I don't have a... There wasn't an exact answer, and in fairness, you wouldn't have expected an exact answer. So no, I, I think they're taking this on board. To be fair, I, I, I believe it was, a very, as I said, a very positive meeting. And, uh, and uh, I think they took on board this, uh, this claim by us and this this request really and this request of course is based uh, genuinely on concerns on the ground as i said you know principal teachers and and boards management are they're prudent people and they they, they don't want to see waste i suppose that's why we have you know one of the a very poorly funded education system which actually works quite well in spite of its lack of resources it's about the resourcefulness of the people that work in it i suppose uh, as much as anything else so you know that's where we are Eamon, grateful for your time now and indeed through the year and to you and to your members locally in Leash and, and further afield, thank you very much for taking our call. And, and, and just before I go, and by the way, everybody, I'd like to wish everybody, yourself and everybody that's listening, a happy Christmas as well. And one other thing as well, the cooperation is continuing between ourselves and the Department and Public Health and we hope to meet again before the, uh, the resumption of school in the new year uh, to see where the situation is and uh, to take whatever steps need, need to be taken then as well. So th- thanks for that. All the best. Eamon Dennehy is President of the Association of Secondary Teachers in Ireland. Now, still on our agenda, unfortunately, another scam. And I hate to bring this to you so close to Christmas, but you need to know, and especially if there are grandparents within your family circle, make sure you're listening because Sergeant Andrew Harran from Athlone has all the detail just after these. Now, it's coming up on 12 minutes to 12. And unfortunately... Scams do not disappear for Christmas. Criminals do not rest up for Christmas. And you can't let down your guard for Christmas. What's known as the grandparents scam. Let's find out all you need to know from Sergeant Andrew Harran in Athlone. Sergeant Harran, good morning. Good morning to you. Yes. How, how does um, this work? Well, it seems to be targeting... It's called the grandparents scam because it seems to be targeting the elder persons in our community... And what it's basically doing is is they get a phone call or a text and it's alleged to be coming from somebody in their family, i.e. a grandchild or, a, you know, a relation. And these people are saying, I'm, I'm in difficulty. They might use an example like if I've been in a car accident or I've been the victim of a crime. And they're also, very importantly, they're saying to the person, don't tell anyone. So they're trying to... Um, get that kind of confidentiality and to make sure that no one's telling the checking this so they're saying i'm in difficulty the example being like the accident and they're saying i need money to pay bills to get out of this country that i'm in that i've had the accident or this difficulty that i'm in that i need help with paying a medical bill things like that now the idea is that they're trying to prey on the person's goodwill and the idea that they mightn't want the immediate parents to know so that's why they're trying to keep the whole thing confidential. And they're saying things like, I'm not calling on my usual phone because, well, I lost it in, in the event, whether I was mm. burgled or mm. whether I was in an accident. And they continue to try and engage with them. And then basically they're looking for money. They're asking for money, but they're also playing it up to be an urgent scenario, i.e. I can't get out of my country because, or out of this country because they won't let me go unless I pay the bill or they won't let me go unless I, I, I fix the damage that I've done and things like that. So they're preying on the urgency, the family connection, 
and in fairness they sometimes have names of families that they might get on social media so don't be surprised if they say that if they correctly you know use uh, the names of the some of the family and the key yeah, that, that's the tricky part then isn't it because if they're using real names and if it looks so plausible then you you might yeah. actually be tripped into believing it well of course well this is the problem that that we're they're preying on goodwill and goodwill exists hugely in in all of us in most of us and especially in something in in the grandparent world where they're thinking they can do a good deed and 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 help the grandchild or the nephew or somebody out and um they're trying to they're trying to elicit help quickly so the danger is if they get exposed to that and you know they goodwill comes and then they try to maybe consider passing the money but what we're saying is very short and sweet message you can't do it you have to verify it and even though it goes against your will your 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 thought process to to check it with somebody we're saying they won't have a problem with you checking no, so you check no, it with not. anybody in your family and look, at this time of year, it's good to get the warning because it is when we expect to hear from loved ones who may not have connected with us in quite a while. Have you encountered any cases locally, Andrew? Well, thankfully, not in this type, but it should be said, and as you said at the start, criminals don't go away. Frauds are changing on a daily, near daily basis. We haven't had this one in the Midlands yet, but unfortunately we've had other types. So I would be saying to people in a, gener- a general way, do not reply to any text, phone call, knock on your door from anybody that you haven't or you haven't made the call to. Don't give any data to anybody. You should be the one calling a bank or you should be the one going to the post office or you should be the one engaging with the the, the air or sky or whoever agency is calling. It should be only at your behest. Please don't give any data to anyone because there are far too many scams going on at the moment. Andrew, to you and your colleagues, a very happy Christmas and all the best for 2022. And to you and the listeners. Take care, Will. Sergeant Andrew Harran from Athlone. Today's programme was produced by Rebecca Donnelly with assistance from Isabel Faulkner and William Faulkner. Thank you, guys. You've done a stellar job. And thank you most of all for listening. I'll chat to you tomorrow morning from my very special programme as is our custom on Christmas Eve a guest via satellite from the North Pole. I'll leave you today with Sarah Bareilles' Winter Song. Good morning.